You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Walker Bueller gave up four runs in less than four innings. Is it possible to to think of Walker Bueller and not make the everybody wants some joke? No. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast, a part of the Touchline Media Group based out of London, because unlike me, the rest of the media group have funny accents. And by funny, I mean uh, British accents. So check them out at touchlinefraca.co.uk. Um, they have a ton of great podcasts, so check them out. Um, I'm your host, Asa Smith, with you as always to talk pointy ball and round ball, both of which are called football. Um, we have a very special episode for you tonight. Uh, we have guest Justin Thind, who is a reporter for uh, 24-7 Sports, SpartanTailgate.com, uh, and one of the great uh, recruiting and program insiders for the Michigan State University. So we got him on to talk uh, about both sports, and we had a great time. This episode is brought to you by the Anchor app as well as the Smith Workforce Management Group for all of your NIL, employment law, business law needs, check out the Smith Workforce Management Group at smithworkforce.com. So let's get right into it with co-host Stumpy and our good friend Justin. How's it going, everyone? Coach, do I have you? I am here, present and, and accounted for. And we are here with like an actual media member, despite our media bullshit, <laughs> uh, Justin Thin. How you guys Justin. doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for, for uh, debasing yourself and, and coming on to talk with us. Uh, yeah, Justin, do you know what you got yourself into? Like, have you listened to any of these yet? All I know, all I know is you guys have combined soccer and football, and that's all I needed to hear. Uh, round ball and pointy ball. <laughs> yeah. See, like, the, the problem is, is that, like, uh, we're, we're technically owned, not owned, but partnered with a uh, British media conglomerate. So when we say soccer, they get all mad. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> so we have to like it's like uh, round football and then pointy football, or I see the way the way that we put it: uh, stupid football and then British football. 
I see. Okay. So right. Th- this company's already not going to like this episode. So I apologize. Well, we, they don't, we can't they be don't. owned by anybody because all we all, all we do is just own ourselves. So, <laughs> and, and not in the good also, way. Right. <laughs> so, um, so obviously like we, you know, we, we have to, to, to pick your brain about some, some uh, Michigan state stuff, but then we'll right. talk about the stupidity that is uh, international soccer. Perfect. Um, so, so obviously like the, uh, we're, we're seven and oh, or eight weeks in seven weeks in, I don't, time is meaningless. Right. This is, yeah. Um, well, it depends but, on if you count week zero or week half or whatever true. it is. I don't know. We, we make things up. Do you know who doesn't count week zero? Nebraska. Nebraska doesn't count <laughs> week zero. <laughs> is that why Scott Frost is still employed? I mean, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> Um, like, like it's, it's such a funny thing with Scott Frost. And I know this is like a supposed to be a Michigan state thing, but any opportunity to shit on Scott Frost, um, like his teams should be good. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like you see, um, they're built how Nebraska teams were built when they were good. They have those defenses that can flow from sideline to sideline, uh, some decent talent in the trenches, a quarterback that was highly rated, but. They're just, they're just the opposite of when you would describe a team that finds a way to win football games. They're um, finding ways to lose football games. And I think that comes down to Scott Frost's own, uh, I guess, kind of the culture he set there. They don't fight when the games are close. I know they gave Michigan a fight there at the end, and they were close with us the whole time. But at the end, they still find a way to shrivel. And uh, it's just not the mark of a good coach and a good culture. I mean, I thought I, the, the funniest part of watching the Michigan game, and obviously, like, as a Michigan State fan, it was easy to do this after the fact. Um, but, like, the funniest part of the Michigan game was, is, like, they go up 29 to 26 or whatever it ended up being. And I, like, I texted our, our buddy who's a Michigan fan, and I was like, it's fine. You have anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, hey, uh, you know, it's fine. Don't worry. They'll, right. they'll shoot themselves in the foot. And they did. Yep. Um, yeah, we actually can timestamp that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyways, so so speaking of teams who find ways to win when maybe they uh, shouldn't, right? Not not we we have already talked about the Indiana game, <laughs> um, which which I I thought was so interesting because like watching that game and and also like I I belatedly listened to uh to the not Spartan Spotlight podcast, which is the greatest of all Michigan State's podcasts. <laughs> Um, I was listening to, uh, the press quarters podcast Okay, and, uh, who are, I, I, are they, are they friends of, of 24 seven or are they just like people who I, I know from there? I believe, um, one of the co-hosts of that podcast is a mod on the website. Um, so, you know, like the administrative stuff, cleaning up the board, merging, Which, moving threads. I, I, I gotta ask as like a, a mod of the RCMB, like, is that as difficult as it seems? So I don't venture into the free section of it a lot because I'm told it's a mess. Um, so over there, yeah, I'm sure it's an impossible job, but the VIP section is, is mostly organized and clean. So um, if, if that dude Rocky is uh, moderating the free section, then uh, good luck to him. So see, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the old RCMB, not the first iteration, but like the, the pre 24 seven. I see. And that was when, when I tell you that it was like the worst parts of Twitter, but behind <laughs> a message board, like it was, it was a horrific place. Um, it's basically fun. what Florida State Twitter is now. 
Right. I see. Okay. Well put. <laughs> um. So. So I actually. I. 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 I'm not saying this to endear you to me, but like I actually am a paying subscriber of 24/7. Um. Because Love it comes with. The, yeah. It, it comes with the Paramount Plus stuff, which we'll get oh, to. Oh, I see. I see. So it's yeah. not because of the good work that Corey no, and myself and Steven and those guys do. It's totally because of that. It's because, <laughs> and, and I only happen to have Paramount Plus, which has right. all of the soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unrelated. Ignore what's going on behind the curtain. <laughs> um, yeah. But so, so they were, when they previewed the game, they were like, yeah, I mean, this should probably be fine, but like these players are good and Michigan State is tired. And like, yeah. I think what, what I said going like at, you know, when someone asked me like what was going on, I was like, oh, they never got off the bus. It's fine. Yeah. Plus, um, I know going into the game, um, I'm not huge into into like deep diving stats before games and letting that dictate like your philosophy and how it should go. But one thing that stuck out to me before this game was Indiana has held five of six quarterbacks to their lowest passing totals of the year. Um, and that's just because of the way that their defense is kind of schemed. They don't give up big plays. So I figured that this would be a lot of intermediate to short check down throws and a lot of running game. The issue was the running game uh, was also non-existent. So then you were just left with short throws. You don't really move the ball that well with those, especially when your offensive line is not blocking. So I kind of expected them to not be explosive this game, but I didn't think they would also have the run stifled in addition to the deep passes. Yeah. And, and, and also I think that, that that game is totally different. If uh, was it Naylor in the, I guess it was the first mm-hmm. or second quarter. If yep. he doesn't drop that ball, I think that that game gets out of hand because I, I don't yeah. think Indiana had a ton of fight in them. Yeah, true. They, they were given hope um, yeah. by keeping the game close throughout. Yeah. So so talking about like sort of where we are, 7-0, I don't, I don't think even the most optimistic Spartan fan would have said 7-0 right now. Right. Um, yeah. Like what, are, what, do you, what do you attribute that to? Because like, you know, it's easy to say, well, Kenneth Walker is good. Right. But – it's obviously like, it's not that simple. Is it that simple? Right. So, so that is a huge part of it because defenses um, are more susceptible to the deep ball because they have to provide run support cover. But it goes beyond that um, in terms of Peyton Thorne is better than I thought he would be, better than most people thought he would be, especially in the ball security phase. So if you're not just putting your defense um, behind the eight ball and just giving teams the ball in the red zone, that goes a long way. Michigan State was not strong in that regard last year when Rocky was quarterback. And even, even when Peyton Thorne was there, he, he, I believe he had a one-to-one interception and touchdown racer. So he, he had a great offseason, evidently, as he also won the job. And uh, he's kind of been like uh, the underrated hero. I know, I know he gets some credit for the fact that he has all these deep balls and PFF sometimes rates him pretty high. But he really, really should be kind of be considered the X factor because – if Thorne isn't able to hit some of these passes or he's making bad decisions, then teams would be much more easily keying in on Kenneth and the whole offense just wouldn't work. So credit to Thorne, credit to Kenneth, and then credit to Mel and Coach Cat for landing a left tackle and Jarrett Horst, who commits a lot of penalties for just finishing blocks, <laughs> which really just frustrate me because one, you, sometimes you don't need to finish those blocks. Two, finishing blocks shouldn't even be a penalty half the time, but whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we have a left tackle for once. Um, I mean, that, first, yeah. <laughs> first, first left tackle since Jack Conklin? 
Yeah, I would say it's been years. So that allowed um, a right tackle uh, and AJ R. Curry to then kick Kevin Jarvis inside. So uh, even though the offensive line played poorly against Indiana, just overall they're a better unit than last year. So you have an improvement at the O-line, you have an improvement at quarterback, and you have a massive improvement at running back. And then um, Q Crouch uh, has been a good replacement for Antoine Simmons. He has my favorite Twitter name that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Cal Holiday, who uh, he should uh, probably start wearing some gloves and sleeves and get some drip. Oh, but did you hear that? That, that? that he doesn't wear gloves? I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> they yeah, had to mention that before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it irritates me that he doesn't wear them, though. You shouldn't be that good and just get away with with not having any sort of flair, but um... yeah, you can't get out flared by the kicker. <laughs> right. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, yeah. Matt Coughlin is uh, pretty swaggy though. It's kind of hard to keep up with that flow That's and true. that beard. That's true. <laughs> my favorite thing oh, is, Col- yeah. well, my favorite thing is a uh, hunt being constantly referred to as, Former punter, now tight end, because that's the most Big Ten thing I can think of. But the uh, comparisons between when Coughlin showed up to campus and when he's going to leave always make my week. (laughs) It's like, sir, you have discovered many things that you probably shouldn't tell future employers. (laughs) Um, But but you, uh, speaking of Coughlin, that raises another point for such a huge improvement, and that's the fact that Bryce Berenger at punter oh, Bryce has Berenger. been great. And people people don't really understand how crucial um, having a great punter is until their team has an atrocious one. And I remember a few years ago, um, my dad's a Penn State alum, so I used to watch a lot of Penn State football games back in the day. And in 2014 or 15, their punter was a walk-on from Australia, and this dude averaged like 28 yards a punt. Oh. Penn State lost so many games so many games by a field goal or two where the other team got the ball at like the 35 got like four or five yards and kicked the field goal on like every fifth drive and that was <laughs> like you can literally lose multiple games if you don't have a good punter especially I, the big 10 I, I, Sir, I, I, you are talking to two midwestern boys we are <laughs> huge fans of punters Right. I mean, the thing is, is that like you look at Michigan State history and, and you can say like, oh, well, what's the best position group? And like, OK, like there's an ar- argument for there have been a lot of really great running backs or wide receivers right. or recently mm-hmm. corners. But the answer is punter. I mean, Brandon Fields, man, we go back. I we see. go back with the kickers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, I mean, Sadler, obviously. Yeah, Sadler yeah. and Bates and um yeah. But and you know, and when we don't have a great one, we just ship them off to Nebraska and enjoy Will Pristo. <laughs> yep, that was that was uh, something. He uh, had the first punt; it went like fifteen to twenty yards, and then they brought the next guy in. Dude kicked it even worse, and then they're just on a rotation that whole game. Yeah, it's like okay, who screwed up most recently? <laughs> Fine. Um, but Behringer, I see. I I think Behringer's uh rec specs may might be the best accessory on the team. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really, li- I really like Jupe uh, Jupe Crouch's uh, neck roll. I love that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, J- Jaden Reen's just whole demeanor is yeah. pretty great. Uh, yeah. But but I, I I think that the Rex specs are are my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so you mentioned like something about like finishing plays and getting penalties. Have can you think? And and I was thinking about it during the game because LOL, obviously. Um, can you think of a player who who's gotten more like iffy? personal foul calls than Jacob Panashuk. 
Yeah, right? Yeah. He, there was that one uh, roughing the pass – or no, uh, sorry, late hit out of bounds. Where that he didn't hit anybody? Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then last game, okay, I guess he drove him into the ground. But come on. No. That's, I mean, no, you cannot not. call that, that a penalty. A call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't call that a penalty. That's like, – yeah. And, and like, I, I think at this point, like, it's just like, as, as a defensive coordinator, I assume Scotty Hazleton is like, all right, we're going to give up 15 yards out of Jacob Van Schiff for his own Yeah. But uh, if, he, if he continues to lead uh, college football in hurries, uh, he can commit all those penalties he wants. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been, it, it was an interesting thing. I remember maybe it was uh, two years ago. It must have been two years ago. Um, like, PFF had him as like the best returning edge rusher in the Big Ten. Yeah. And I remember the entirety of, of the people who I talked to and, and Michigan State Twitter as such was yeah. like, are we sure about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's the case with a lot of PFF things uh, that I see. Just hard to believe most of them. Yeah. And, Unless and, they're and, pro MSU. Right. No, no. It's, it's like, <laughs> uh, like there were like four uh, PFF All-Americans who were Michigan State. And it was like, yes, PFF yeah. knows what yeah, they're yeah. doing. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then they put Peyton Thorne at the 59th best quarterback, and then suddenly you start like, to question whether they know ball. Are, are we sure about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I was uh, – so so just talking about, like, sort of the where we are, where we're going. 7-0 mm-hmm. um, is great. Um, does this feel like a soft 7-0 to you? Like, I know that there, were, there, have, been, there have been, what, three, four Power 5 road games? Yeah. Um, but but it feels like like each of the teams that Michigan State has played and beaten like are any of them good? Right. So so the way I look at it is I came into the season thinking Michigan State was going to lose several games strictly because of outside cornerback play, which hasn't been great, but it's been getting better in recent weeks. But the I, fact I feel that like. They, yeah. Just on that, I think that Ronald Williams from week one to week seven yes. has gone from like this guy can't be on the field too. It's right. fine that Kalon Gervin isn't here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He went from not even being in the frame on some of the completions to now his only real flaw being maybe turning the head when he sees the ball in the air. So that's fine. I, I know they're coached to not look at the ball. They're coached to put your hands up when the receiver puts the hands up and that's fine. But the good corners still find a way to locate the ball. But that's a minor complaint compared to the fact that in week one and two, he was just not even in the frame on some of these catches. So a lot of improvement from him. I like the confidence Chester Kimbrough plays with. Um, Brantley could be good. Just needs to trust his eyes some more. Uh, Marco Lowry. A... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Brant- Brantley needs a sandwich is what he needs. <laughs> yeah. That kid he's is a rail. Yeah. He, he's, he's 180 like I'm 6'7". <laughs> he's yeah. not 6'7". I'm yeah. not 6'7". <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know you. He hasn't seen a picture right. of you. Like that's, This is, right. a, this okay. is a, not a visual medium. <laughs> right. Uh I'm 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 six one uh, in I heels. See. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so you're but, six one. We'll go with that. Yeah. Sure. Right. So, um, but yeah. But the the thing about Brantley is he doesn't play like he's one eighty, one seventy. He plays like he thinks he's a linebacker. He'll lay the he'll lay the lumber on people. So I like the I like the way he plays. But um, but yeah, back to the original question. Um, so the fact that Michigan State has even made it through seven games without losing a game because of outside corner play. And now pretty much Ohio State and somewhat Penn State are really the only teams that can exploit that. I'm suddenly feeling pretty good about the trajectory of this team because your weakest unit has not lost you a game and you've played Miami who they haven't had a great statistical offense, but they have 
vertical talent that probably could have won if they had a quarterback that was hitting throws downfield. Or I guess, no, you can even credit Scotty for not um, allowing deep balls because he was playing six coverage. But um, Indiana, you could have if Penix was his old self. But So, yeah, there's luck involved. There's definitely luck involved with Penix not being his old self. And, um, and yeah, so I guess the way I look at it is, to make the long story short, they should have probably not escaped being 7-0 and um, with what I thought was going to happen coming into the season with that cornerback unit. And the fact that they have and only Ohio State and uh, Penn State can expose that weakness, I do have some confidence that this 7-0 and is, while it might be soft, is something that can continue for most of the rest of the season with those two being kind of the only iffy moments where that unit would be tested. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly take that. Uh, I, I guess that's like a, the, the iffiness with, with Penn State is if Sean Clifford is right. yeah. uh, upright. Yeah. Um, because, I, you know, we talked about it on this podcast, but like what Penn State did to Roberson was cruel. Yeah. yeah. Like that was, that was not nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wish Sean Clifford the best of health on Sunday following that game. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because if Roberson plays, like, it would be a celebration for them to get a snap off without a false start. So that, <laughs> that was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that. It was, it was like, it was wild because, like, yeah. this was a kid who I, and I, you know, I don't know that you come back from that. Like, I don't know the right. storyline yeah. that exists where it's like, has that as his first ex- extended meaningful playing time and then comes yeah. back and is competent. Right. Yeah. Um, Luckily for him, they just had a bye and they play Illinois at home next week. So, so another bye. Plays, right. Yeah. So the defense plays well and they finally tailor the offense to his strengths because they turned him into a drop back passer when the dude was a dual threat quarterback that was pretty fast. And I don't know what they were trying to do, but if they kind of mold the offense around him and have him run like 60% of the time and calm atmosphere, he could probably win this next game. And then if Clifford's back the following week, um, that they could be in, in decent shape. But if Clifford's not back for an extended period of time, they're going to be in big trouble for sure. Yeah. And I uh, just, just talking about uh, Illinois, I don't, I don't know if you guys saw that about what Brett Bielema said. Was it yep. today or yesterday? <laughs> yeah, what today. an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I've never seen like, and like, look, Mel Tucker was very aggressive about the transfer portal, right. but I've never seen a coach go into a press conference and essentially say like, Hey, offensive line transfer portal folks. Uh, yeah. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, Two deeps yeah. open. <laughs> that right. was the closest like, to a free agent pitch I think we're going to get in uh, college football for a little yeah. while. <laughs> that, was, that was unreal. It was kind of refreshing, but obviously not, not very um, – yeah. Not, not, I wouldn't want my coach doing it, but it was uh, – plus, if you kind of look at it from the perspective of um, the portal guys, are they still even interested in Illinois even after that pitch? Like – no. Nobody's going to Illinois because of that press conference alone. So really all you've done is alienated some guys in your own locker room to maybe attracting one guy from the FCS level. But it doesn't really seem worth it. But it was uh, interesting to see that. Uh, You're telling forward. me Bert Bielma isn't good with personnel? <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> Just phenomenal work. Uh, yeah. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From the So, but, but speaking of um, coaches who left good situations to go to SEC schools and then made me sad uh mel tucker uh is apparently apparently uh the what the odds on favorite right now to take over at lsu yeah Um, kind of so so the way i kind of look at that is um the the well first of all they were not both the same sports book um they were two separate books but um how it kind of my issue was when you have only one coach in america that has an actual report tied to his name like Mel Tucker did with the Bruce Feldman report that coach being opened as the 10th best uh, odds to be the coach is just inviting a huge flood of vets to go towards his name and then um, all the betting that's going to be done in the initial round is going to go to the one guy that has smoke near near his name somebody who's going to bet Jimbo Fisher they're not going to be in a rush to do it on day one so I wouldn't be surprised if Tucker just got like 80% of the, the initial betting. And then that just catapulted him to first because the money was so unequally divided. But anyway, I just feel like that was Vegas kind of just reeling people in and knowing Tucker's not the coach, but way undervaluing him to kind of draw the money in. So I don't know. I don't look at that betting odds thing as, as being that tangible of a, a takeaway as you usually would. If that I makes mean, that's, sense. yeah, no, 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 it's, it's, it's the, uh, like, I think Darren Ravel and we've, we've talked about it on this podcast before, but like, there's just an inordinate amount of money associated with, uh, Michigan, Michigan state and the lions. Yeah. Um, and so like, like it, it, it felt like that could be like, this could be like another example of that. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the most interesting thing about the Feldman report was there was nothing about it from Tucker's side. Right. Exactly. That's the whole issue of this whole thing is why is the fan base melting down on Twitter just because a donor or two in Baton Rouge likes Tucker? Have they said anything about Tucker's interest? No. And the fact of the matter is, is LSU's AD, Scott Woodward, he doesn't even kind of go after these third year uh, coaches that have like a rising stock. He goes after the kind of guys that have been proven winners for years. That would be a flashy hire where he gets to throw tons of money around and say, look, I got this coach that everyone said we couldn't get. So like, Urban Meyer. This is, Urban Meyer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's so like, Jimbo. Yeah, that's Jimbo. Jimbo. And, and, and he set up Jimbo's contract at Texas A&M in a way where if he go where if where Woodward goes somewhere else, all he simply has to do is top the salary, and there's no buyout. So I, I don't understand why people are getting so worked up about this on Twitter because for one, I don't even think Woodward likes Tucker. Two, I don't think that Tucker well I don't want to speculate too much but like I I don't think Tucker is that intrigued by the LSU job with the financial support he can get at Michigan State these days and three Tucker could lose like two of the next like five games and suddenly not even have any national interest so there's just so much unknown and so much not fitting for people to have the reaction that they have right now well I think I, I mean just like on the Michigan State side of it um pretty recently uh, in, in many of our lifetimes, we had like mm-hmm. a generational coach leave us to go to LSU. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. And like, but they wouldn't, some, they wouldn't give him money back then though. Like Nick Saban couldn't get a staff like Tucker has right now. Right. Right. No, no, no. There, there, it was, yeah. it was, there was a lot of animosity towards Nick Saban because he was associated with George Perlis and George Perlis right. sort of kept holding the school hostage. I see. Yeah. Makes uh, sense. If, if, if you would like to know more about the 1980s Michigan State academic <laughs> and 
athletic boards, uh, follow my other podcast. I'm not doing that. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm sure there's like some like historical podcast hosted by Jack Ebling or something. Um, but, <laughs> but who, who I love, who's, who's great. Yeah, I've never met him. Right. He, he writes good books. Uh, nice anyway. save. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so, so that was my sort of my assessment of, of it as well, because right. like when I read the Feldman report, uh, report, uh, my, my takeaway was, yeah, this is the same thing that they used to do with D'Antonio because of course they did. He's in, you know, a coach who's considered to be elite. So why wouldn't yeah. they drum that up? You know? And right. then if, if, if in six months Feldman's right, he gets to say like, well, as I reported in October, and you're like, yeah, but you were just throwing yeah. smoke. Right. So, Definitely. yeah. Plus, so, plus the other, other element here is, um, if people really, really pay attention to the way Tucker's building the program, and national guys don't get to see this as much, but the way he's kind of trying to slowly get um, buy-in from former players that played in like the 70s and 80s, and the way he's trying to secure funding for projects and initiatives um, that he won't get a return on investment for for years, and uh, his guy being the AD, like these are sort of markers of somebody building a program slowly and in the correct way where he easily could have cut the corners and just say, Oh, all this money going to this facility. I need like a handful million from it to put towards my staff, hire guys like Clink scale, Morrow, all these guys that he couldn't get. And suddenly just try to have a 12 and 0 season here and just take off right away. But he's allocating resources to infrastructural changes that you won't see a long-term uh, they won't see a short-term return for. So he's just building the program in a way that just doesn't speak to me as somebody using this job as a, as a stepping stone. It's just funny also to look at the contrast with how he's building, you know, like the program and all of that. And then yeah, he went out and got, roster. what, 20 transfers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So like some things he wants to build, some things he yeah. just wants to cut right to the chase. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he doesn't like losing. But at the same time, he wants to build stuff the right way behind the scenes i mean i'm good with that like i, I would like yeah. to build things the right way behind the scenes while also not losing right exactly yeah <laughs> big fan of not losing big yeah. fan of that plus, plus, um, also if can, justin if you can yeah go ahead i was gonna say uh yeah asa was made the comment about bruce feldman doing a touchdown dance right. in october if he was right uh as a more established member of the media uh i would Love to be able to tell people in October that I was right that Jimbo Fisher is going to Texas A&M. And if you will, if you're still listening to this podcast, come then. I will make a point of being very obnoxious about it. Right. <laughs> we will. We will make sure that you get more recognition for that than whatever big name journalist ends up breaking the story. Excellent. I need Michigan State Twitter to just keep retweeting me until I yeah. drown out Bruce Feldman. Yeah, it's right. like it's like Stuart Mandel's gonna be like, uh, I can officially report that uh, yeah. Jimbo Fisher to LSU, and then just like fifteen people from Bacon Wire right. being like, uh, "Hey, uh, Mr. Mojo Rising eighty nine had it first. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> something I can see happening. That is one hundred percent what Michigan State Twitter is all about. <laughs> we're 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 the worst, but we stick together, so it's fine. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, speaking of the worst, but sticking together, because I don't know if you've had many forays into U.S. men's national team Twitter. So I have awesome not, actually. That, it is. That so, is okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to bring you in in a way that will okay. make sense to you. Um, OK. All right. It's like uh, recruiting Twitter, but nobody knows anything about football. I see. It is. So like you get and, but, and also like with some like vague weird uh gang like 
gang lines drawn. Um, <laughs> it's it's like there there are people uh, who like refuse to say that certain players are good because they play in the MLS or they don't play in the MLS. Um, we uh we as as members of soccer media as such uh we try to tr- to remain optimistic, but it is a hellhole mm-hmm. um at all times. <laughs> but um. But so, 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 so why don't you tell us like a little bit about your interest in, uh, right. in the U S men's national team and like, yes. sort of like how you got there. Right. Okay. So, um, way back in the day, uh, which probably do- doesn't seem as long to you guys, but when, uh, Lucas Podolski and, uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger and all those guys played for Germany, that's when I got into international soccer and, um, was a huge fan of those Germany teams of Klosa and those guys and followed them, um, got into club soccer around the time that, uh, Drogba was at Chelsea um uh, was a Chelsea and Real fan um pretty much since then and then the U.S. national team kind of never really intrigued me that that entire phase back then then That's came fair. yeah <laughs> yeah if you could cheer for Germany back then uh, this the, the men's national team didn't seem as uh, appealing but um since then my interest in those kind of teams uh in Europe have faded uh from the national sense um, the, the Spain team that I really enjoyed watching with Xavi and those guys, they're all gone. Um, Germany, all those guys I grew up watching, uh, they're all gone. So uh, really what had happened was I had like a total reset for like my international fandom. And that happened right around the time that when those guys were retiring from the Germany golden generation, that's when the U.S. youth, youth movement was happening. And um, I was a huge Christian Pulisic fan. Um from I don't want to say early because I, I wasn't like some guy that found him when he was nobody, but when um, he was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, no. When uh, when he was uh, when he was uh, at Dortmund, uh, that's when I was uh, hoping that uh, Chelsea or Real would get him, and uh, Chelsea ended up getting him. And suddenly, you started seeing guys from the U.S. men's national team pop up around the globe. You're seeing guys like Desta Barcelona, McKinney at Juventus. And these are, these are really not anything, uh, these developments, I wasn't used to seeing these. Uh, well, that's because they didn't happen back then. Right. But, uh, <laughs> so, like it's, it's, yeah. the, reason, the reason you weren't used to it is because yeah. like, our, biggest, our <laughs> biggest guy abroad who wasn't a goalie was like Michael Bradley at a bad yeah. Roma team. Yeah, exactly. So, so that kind of culminated all of this youth movement happened right when I was kind of searching for a new team to root for, basically. And uh, the fact that the, the U.S. men's national team, to put it lightly, is an underdog on the global yeah. scene. And that just gives you even more of a reason to kind of want them to succeed. And when you have some homegrown guys like Christian Pulisic and you have these young guys that are my age, basically, trying to save a, a, a country that didn't even make the last World Cup when they're, when they're playing against Trinidad and Honduras, no disrespect to them, but... Full disrespect sure. to Trinidad. <laughs> Full. Yeah, but like, so, so just seeing like guys my age come in and try to put this country, um, not at the top, but hopefully at least in like the round of 16-ish range, um, that, that's just kind of, it's been like an emotional attachment that, I was surprised. Like I, I root for these guys and watch them more closely than even those Germany teams that got me into soccer. So it's just great to see um, finally some hope and not just like false hope with like Freddie Adu and these guys that like never became anything, but guys that are actually making impacts in the first team in the top flights in Europe. So that's, that's kind of how, how I got here. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's certainly like more fun right now to be, to be interested in American soccer than it, than it has been probably, probably since, 
since I mean ever ever certainly certainly yeah. right certainly since since Tim Howard stepped on the the field against Belgium, um, yeah, in a game that will be scarred in my memory forever. Um, that poor man. Anyways, um, so so like so so you said you were like a Chelsea and a, a Madrid fan. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so jo- I, I, Josie yeah. Josie Mourinho aside, why those two? <laughs> um. So, so Real is easy because Cristiano Ronaldo was like my first like favorite soccer player. I had his Portugal jersey when he was first called up to the senior team and wore number 17. He was the guy that I would like watch his highlights, try to get like all his moves down pat back when I used to play. And he was basically the guy that um, was like the talk of the talk of the world back when uh, he moved to Real from Man U. I think I was about 10 or 11 when that transfer happened. Um, so that's where the Real fandom came from. And then, um, Chelsea, you know, I don't really have a reason. Like there's no, um, just like a lot of the American fans that like root for Tottenham or, or some of these random teams that I see that's on Twitter. Me. Like, yeah. So like I, some of them might have a story, like they went to England and the first ever game they saw in person was that Tottenham or something like that. But I have no such story. I was just a huge, uh, Aiden Hazard fan, uh, when he moved over there. And uh, that was right after the Didier Drogba era. So it was, uh, I, yeah, I guess pretty much I'm a bandwagon fan is what I would say <laughs> in, t- in, terms, in terms of how I got onto these teams. But I, I guess I give myself credit for not switching on them, even through the downtrodden year. Well, you right. probably it's have been, so much struggle, I guess, if you're a big team. So I shouldn't say downtrodden, but it's uh, been what, really tough. <laughs> it's been really tough for, uh, for Chelsea recently. So I, I give yeah, you a lot yeah. of credit. For sticking yeah. sticking with them through a, a yeah. Champions League title. No, no, no. But that's <laughs> I mean, if if you kind of look at when Pulisic got there and uh, like they, what did they finish in the table the year before um, before they hired? Um, or no, the uh, the the era where they had uh, signed uh, Jorginho, and they were gonna go ahead and have this great team. Then Antonio Conte over there as the coach, this master Italian tactician. What did they finish in the table that year? Uh, Stumpy, will you look that up for me? I was going to say, if my yeah, internet but... was fast enough. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fifth. Oh, okay. We're talking about 17, 18? Uh, yeah, yeah. Something, something around that time. But okay, that's they, higher than I thought. I was they finished fifth grade. then, and they finished 10th in 2015, 10th. 2016. Okay, yeah. So that was right around the time where I kind of had a reason to, to step away. But then shortly after that, they got Christian Pulisic. So that, that kind of solidified, re-solidified my fandom there. So, yeah, don't, don't give me too much credit, I guess, for sticking with them. But I, I had that window to leave and uh, join a new team. But that's, that's, that's fair. And see, like, that would have been the time where if you were a bandwagon fan, you would have looked at, at Tottenham Manchester and been like – or somebody, yeah. yeah or, exactly. or that. But you would have looked yeah. at Tottenham and been like, oh, I should be a Tottenham fan. They're going to win a ton. And the spoiler alert is, is that they would yeah. not know. They would yeah. Not. yeah, extremely narrator voice that never happens. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you if you've ever seen the the Jack Whitehall sketch with um, the Tottenham players, where he, he says like they're they're competing over a trophy, and he talks about how they'll never get one, and it's sad because that happened three years ago with Deli Alley and Sonny, and yeah. they have not won since. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so I, I, I want to get your take on this because as someone who, who, yeah. who watches the, the pr- Premier League and, yeah. and I guess La Liga a little bit, um, like it's like a very common thing in, in uh, American sports to be like to like do like analogies, you know, to bring people mm-hmm. in. 
So, right. so for, for, for Michigan State fans who might be listening to this who don't otherwise know, like, what do you think the, like, Big Ten to Premier League, like, who do you think Chelsea is? Like, if you're going to go one-to-one. This is interesting. Um, because, like, uh, obviously, I, well, like... First, yeah. First, I would say like, that... No, go ahead. No, no I, was, I was just going to say, like, and you can't include Newcastle because Newcastle is clearly Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Also, okay. uh, Justin, we want to hear your voice. We have to listen to him enough. You can talk over him. It's fine. Yeah, just, just keep going. It's fine. Um, okay, so see, my view is kind of tilted because – so I, in, in the last like 10 years or so, and I've been watching the Premier League, like I would say that Manchester is Michigan because I've never really seen them win much. But, <laughs> yes. But if, but, if you, but if you expand that window a little bit and you go back to the Beckham and Ronaldo Manchester days, suddenly my analogy makes no sense. Oh, but, wait, hold on. Yeah. It makes total sense. You, you have to go back to a foregone generation and then they were winning <laughs> a ton, but nobody really cares anymore. <laughs> Okay, perfect. So that's that's the one thing that I'll, that I'll kind of say is a comparison that immediately comes to mind. But I've seen this brought up on Twitter, and I never really nailed down. An, what is your guys' take on who's Michigan State? So obviously, like I'm, I'm going to say Tottenham, uh, okay. but but Michigan State has won shit recently. Yeah. Um. So so I would say Michigan State is probably uh, Leicester. Like okay. not not traditionally the powerhouse like in a in a division in an area where they they're they they shouldn't really win all that much but like they they punch above their weight and they have a guy who is really great as their star player which uh for michigan state purposes we need to identify our jamie vardy and i don't know who (sighs) is a drunken irishman enough to be the jamie vardy (laughs) or a gambling addict right either way either way um, yeah. But I, th- I think Leicester, and I think like uh, Ohio State would be Man City, right? Um, and uh, I guess uh, uh, I don't know. Arsenal is Wisconsin because they're red, and yeah. also they're very disappointing this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess I guess Chelsea would be like the Penn State because okay. of yeah, team, you know, yeah, that's true. Yeah, consistently uh, good. Uh, every right. once in a while, reaches up in the top echelon. Yeah, very I, rarely yeah. has a very very down year. Yeah, that's that's a great comparison, the Penn State Chelsea one for sure. And it's again, like I I want to give myself credit here. It's mostly based on color scheme, right? Yeah, <laughs> but they make sense. They make sense. Like the Michigan State one, I, I struggle with because you kind of try to like if you were to define the Michigan State arc, it's a lot of continued excellence about a decade to a, or to a half decade ago. And then a lot of lost hope and then a resurgence now. And I don't know if there's a Premier League team that kind of follows that arc, at least in like the last 10, 12 years ago. So it's uh, hard for me to have like a direct comparison. But I can see the, the Leicester thing because um, they were not supposed to be winning um, league over some of these powers. So it's, uh, that's, probably the good, that's probably the closest one. Yeah, yeah, and Leicester's staying power, I think, also made it into the Michigan State. If Leicester right. just won that title and then sold everybody and, and fell back away. down, they're yeah. like Coastal Carolina. You're the you're right. the uh, the group of five team that yeah. overachieves for one year and then pops back down. Uh, how right. about this? That 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 would be if they did that. That would be 2008 Illinois, the Rose Bowl team. Yeah, <laughs> Juice. Yep, Juice yeah, Williams. Juice Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Where we were all like, wait, 
is Illinois good? And it's like, no, no, they're not. It's fine. <laughs> Hugh Williams is just a tank of a human. Uh, Ron Zook, great coach. Like, you, you, you can't deny that. Florida legend. <laughs> Florida legend Ron Zook. Um, so, so I, I guess like last, last bit of, uh, last bit of, of, of business on the, the U S men's national team side, um, Mexico versus, uh, U S men's national team is the, is the next game. Uh, yeah. it's in, it's in Ohio. Um, I, I you know, just, just a, a quick drive down for you. Uh, are you going right. to, going to try to go? Um, I'll have to see what the Michigan state side of things are looking like. If I'm going to be covering, uh, the game from the stadium that day. I'm just going to be watching it uh, from home as a fan. Well, I shouldn't say as a fan, as an unbiased reporter. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll have to see. But either way, that's that's the most excited I've been for a soccer game or sorry, <clears throat> football game in, in so long. Like, I would say since Germany played Argentina in the World Cup final, this is the most excited I've been for a football game since then. And if we know anything about uh, either of the teams that we support in the football realm, I'm sure it'll go great and won't break our heart. <laughs> yeah, hope can set you free. Yeah. <laughs> Pulisic, uh, is, Pulisic is supposed to be uh, back soon. Um, at least that's what the report today was saying. So um, I don't know. Do you guys kind of expect a, a much more full strength of a, of a squad this upcoming window? Um, I'm not. I don't recall what Reyna's um, diagnosis is, but what what kind of squad are you guys expecting? Reyna's so, out. Yeah, Reyna's out. Um, and the and and like the thing about Christian is that like, yeah, he might come back soon, but he's made of glass, so somebody could yeah. sneeze on him and he'd be out for another six weeks. That's um, true. And like, it's it's it sucks because like he is truly like the generational ta- talent. Yeah. Like, he can do things that nobody else can do. Yeah. Um, but I would I would expect to 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 see a a, a similar thing. I mean, if we get Christian, it changes yeah. everything that we do. But yeah, um, I would expect I would expect similar to this window. Maybe maybe add in a Conrad De La Fuente. Maybe get rid of That's a Sebastian Lejet. Um, yeah. and and maybe you know maybe we go without as much rotation. Um, right. Yeah. I was gonna say. Hopefully, he learned his lesson, and we don't have yeah. a part two electric right. boiling. <laughs> yeah I, I, like, yeah that was very confusing because these guys are here for like what eight nine day window i'm pretty sure they can play three games and uh not fall apart maybe not Pulisic, but the rest of these guys <laughs> should be able to should be able to handle that load but i'm not entirely sure what was happening there but I, at least for the mexico game you know there's no doubt about playing the team there so um and, and if you do get Pulisic and Aronson, I, I don't know if he's been playing great or not. I haven't keyed in on him, but he's been competent in carrying the attack across. And then you have Ricardo Pepe's emergence and Weston McKinney, obviously, in the middle. So that's a very, very formidable front right there. And uh, that alone is just something that back in the day, like you had um, just Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey for the most part. Like now you have guys where you can't key in on certain portions of the field. And it's just exciting to think about for sure. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the, the fun thing about that is that like, um, like back in the day, it was like, like, it was like almost a joke among men's national team fans where it was like, what's our offense? I don't know. Maybe Clint Dempsey will do some shit and something <laughs> will happen. And like, we still have elements of that with Sergio Dest where it's like, yeah, ah, fuck, I don't know. Maybe he'll do yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. But before it was like an actual tactic to try and let Dempsey do what he wants to do. This is completely up to Dest. Dest just decides, I've got this. And like, 
seventy percent of the time he's he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that but it reminds me of like like uh I don't know if you remember, but like in the um in the Lewerke days, like when mm-hmm. in that to that like when when it was just like fuck it, he's the guy who's gonna like make some shit happen. Yeah, so play him over. Yeah, um, play him over like Tyler O'Connor or whoever it was. Right. Yeah. Um. So that's that's a lot of what uh what used to happen with Dempsey, where it was like right. fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. What do you guys think of Greg Berhalter? Uh, Stumpy he God. Has, he has too many G's <laughs> in his name. For starters, uh, I, I go back and forth. I not. I definitely was not um, for his original hi- hiring. Uh, yeah. I am the Euro snob of the podcast. I think right. that we should be, you know, trying to emulate Europe more than bring up all these MLS guys. Right. But. There, I, I've been obviously talking about him more and looking more into it on Twitter and online and everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he has pronounced effects on defense. He is like it. You, you don't really need to qualify. He's a good defensive coach. Right. But the fact that his teams always struggle in the attack so much, especially with some of the weapons he's being yeah. handed is kind of like, maybe he was just the manager to kind of shepherd us there. And we mm-hmm. needed to get somebody else to take us over the hump. Um, and then the the substitutions thing makes no sense. Yeah. He's explained it before. We've seen interviews. We've talked about it where he he likes to try and do like a mixture of the up and comers and the old guard because he can't coach on the field during the, the during the match. So yeah. he needs his guys on the field to you know tell the younger guys what to do. But at a certain point, if if you just bring all these guys into camp and you know run drills with them then they will learn and you don't need to keep going back to sebastian legit mm-hmm. yeah and and i i say this uh with with i i i have affection for mark d'antonio that mm-hmm. that is deeper than many people because i was around um in the john l smith and bobby williams right. era it made so, like, him like jose Mourinho, like as a person yeah so like mm-hmm. I, I i love me some like defensive bullshit yeah. um but the, the the problem with with Greg Berhalter is that Greg Berhalter and I I give him credit because he won games that he shouldn't have won over the mm-hmm. summer. Yeah. Um. Like he was playing with his hand behind his back and he won those games and good good on. Yeah. But his <laughs> Concacaf on hard. Right. Like like, <laughs> like that was like the the running joke during during the Gold Cup is like he was like he was like making it harder on himself. Right. Um. So like our our view of him generally on the podcast is uh, like uh. Our, our co-host Ben um, has been beating the drum that he just needs an offensive coordinator. Like I he, yeah. he needs to be like a uh, early, early career Saban. Whereas like just hand off the offense to lane and, and hope that he doesn't fuck up. Yeah. And it's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> at like, like his, the personnel decisions and the bringing people up, he usually gets it mostly right. And, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just like the rotation stuff was weird and he does not know how to, to organize an attack. Right. So, so he's 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 like uh you know he's he's just not not quite there offensively. So I, I think as with everything, like he's not the guy to win a World Cup, but he'll get you there. is is probably the best way to do it, and right. we need to get there because uh, recently we we uh struggled with that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, am I out of place to be very 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 excited about the Ricardo Pepe hug train? Uh, no. I mean, the thing is, is that he, he overperforms his expected goals at a rate that is unsustainable. Right. For sure. His, his, uh, to, because this is a, a crossover podcast with all sports, 
Yeah. Uh, his bad his batting average on balls in play is like 500 right now. <laughs> Get out uh, here with those stats, nerd. I'm all on the hype train. Let's do this. <laughs> the second he walked out with that cowboy hat, I was like, "Fuck yeah, that's America. Let's go." Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but like he does a lot of of, of things that our other uh, center forwards don't do, and he does it at 18. Um, yeah, like so so, and and also there was actually a report today that he he has a. Uh, officially put in a transfer request and he's uh, agreed to terms with Wolfsburg uh, in okay. Germany. So, um, and Wolfsburg also this summer uh, closed down their youth team, <laughs> which is like not a sign of great uh, financial health, but it does right. mean that he's not, he's not going down to like the third Bundesliga. Like if he's there, right. he's there. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the, the, the hype train around Pepe is like, it's overblown, but it's also fun. And also it's like a position of, of extreme need. Um, because all of our other center forwards have had the swagger beaten out of them. Yeah. Um, RIP Josh Corporal. Um, <laughs> well, it's also like men's national team fans have been hurt before and the scars are still there. Yeah. Like, I remember Freddie Adu. I remember Julian Green. Uh, I don't want Ricardo Pepe to turn into those guys, but I yeah. think the fact that he's already uh, shown a nose for the goal you know, can give us hope and we can, we can soldier on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've got some, uh, some, and, and like the, the MLS that, that Ricardo Pepe is playing in is different than the MLS that Freddie Adu was playing in. Right. Like as, as an example. Um, and, and uh, in fact, in fact, no less than uh, Kareem Benzema uh, yesterday said uh, regarding his future, um, I've always wanted to go to America. Uh, they're getting better at soccer, right? Or I think, yeah, he said football. They're, they're getting better at football, right? So maybe right. there. But for right now, I'm at Real Madrid. Uh, and then he scored. How many goals did he score today? I didn't see. I, I mean, they beat Shakhtar like five to nothing. It was bad. Which I saw on uh, on on twenty four seven sports affiliate Paramount Plus that I have yeah. only because I'm a twenty four twenty four seven sports yeah. uh, subscriber. Bringing yeah. it back. <laughs> but I, I I haven't seen actually uh, the Pepe to Wolfsburg thing, so that's new to me. But that's kind of good because I know there was some reported interest that some of the bigger clubs were trying to get him. Um, and you, I guess the the option is always there to loan him out and get minutes. But the fact that Wolfsburg is not a super team kind of is like a happy medium for him to get some development, get some playing time in a top league without just kind of searching for the uh, superpowers to kind of join. So that's kind of my read on it. Is that kind of uh, what you guys think too, with it being kind of like a happy medium, with it being a big enough club, big enough league, but still getting minutes? I yeah. think so. Uh, there is a flip side to that coin though, okay. where if, the, if Wolfsburg is really that bad, you could just beat the confidence out of them. A la yeah. <laughs> Josh Corporal or uh, – <laughs> You know, if they're really bad and he does has nothing else to play for, he can go balls to the wall and turn into Matthew Hoppy for a week. Right? Yeah, so like it's it, it goes both ways, Matt. Um, I I would be fine. Like I I think that the reports about Liverpool and 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 Milan are not yeah. real. Okay. Like, I I think that that is that is a um an attempt to force somebody's hand. Like that's like a oh okay yeah I'm sure I'm sure that yeah. Liverpool is looking at the 18 year old American like. Hmm. <laughs> Well, if we can't get Erling Holland, <laughs> like that's not yeah. that's not how those teams like work. Like I yeah. could see I could see a, a Chelsea actually buying him because Chelsea truly believes in loaning folks out forever. Yes. Yeah. Um. So like like Matt Miazga technically plays for Chelsea. Um. 
and he has not yeah. been at, at Chelsea past a, a, a transfer deadline uh, yeah. in like six years. Yeah. Um, so like I, I could see like a team with a robust loan army doing it, but Liverpool doesn't right. have that. Yeah. And, and if he were going to Italy, like he wouldn't go to Inter Milan because they just committed $60 million to Laturo La, La Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, so like those super clubs or big clubs like ESL, you know, like the, the super league style clubs, like he's not going to go there, but like, I think, I think that if he goes to the Bundesliga, it would be great because the Bundesliga is the big 12 of European football. Right. It's like shit. Yeah. Play up and down, go score goals, feel good about yourself. Unless yeah. you're, of course, all <laughs> gas, no breaks, all gas, no breaks. Fuck it. Five, three. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that would be, that would be the best case scenario for him. Right. Um, you know, and, and more and more, I think that you'll see that happen, but you know, MLS clubs have this annoying habit of not selling their players. Like Daryl DK should be in England right now. Right. Um, and Orlando held him hostage and then he got hurt and now he's like playing himself back into form, but it's a year later. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, there was, there was a report that Pepe's number is $20 million, which I don't know if that's real. But if it is, like, I don't know how many clubs are going to be like, I'm going to spend $20 million and an international slot on an 18-year-old. Right. Um, true. Uh, yeah. a prayer. <laughs> uh, well, Justin, this was, uh, this was great. Obviously, um, everybody should listen to you on, on Spartan Spotlight and, uh, and can, can get your writing at Spartan Tailgate. Uh, anything else you would like to uh, shamelessly self-promote? No, I'm good. But I just wanted to say thanks for having me on. This is uh, the most fun I've had doing a podcast in a long time. So I really appreciate you guys. We won't tell Corey, I promise. <laughs> thanks a lot, Justin. I, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great today, Coach. Do you know why I'm doing great? Tell me. Because I get to make podcasts with my friends using the Anchor app. It, and, well, you know, I, I get why that makes you happy, but certainly you have to pay for the Anchor app. You know, you'd be surprised to find out, completely free. Completely free. But they say nothing is free. Well, apparently podcasting with your friends can be through the Anchor app. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's like... You got to have some like super complicated studio or editing software, right? You know, I can't say that confidently, but since you're the one that edits all of our podcasts, I'm fairly confident any moron can do it. Well, you know, any, any moron can do it because, again, I do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can edit well. You can. I can. I don't really know how to edit. But you can do it through the Anchor app. It supposedly makes it easy you're just not that good at it it's all right and we when we say you we mean the royal you listener not just you asa uh or you greg right uh and not just you greg you greg but you greg greg burrell who who i assume listen does do we have confirmation that greg burrell listens to the podcast we have confirmation that a greg listens to the podcast why do we need a second one i mean you certainly don't need an extra g no, that's just, right. that's incredibly wrong. Um, but, you know, people listen to our, our podcast and they, they listen to it all over the place. So does that happen by magic? It, it might. I don't know how we got a Czech Republic listener. <laughs> well, I think it's because the Anchor app distributes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. 
It does. It's very easy to find. I've been able to find it on at least two of those services. And, you know, isn't that what the whole point is? Spotify, Apple, Google. Our what more do you need than those three? Right. Our tech overlords have made it clear that that's what you need. So that's what you need. What, what do you want? Um, so here's, here's probably the biggest question. Um, it is well established that you get pray, paid in breakfast tacos. Yes. Um, but if somebody wanted to be paid in perhaps fiat currency, such as dollars or pesos, could they do that through the Anchor app? I don't personally understand why they would choose to do that. But yes, the Anchor app is willing to pay you in fiat currency instead of breakfast tacos, if you are so inclined. We're... we're we're just saying that if you wanted to trade your podcasting voice for fiat currency that would then be used to buy breakfast tacos, you could do that. That's your choice. Your uh, ideas intrigue me, and I would like to sub- subscribe to your podcast. And I can do so using Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Just go to Touchlines and Touchdowns and click that little follow button, and you'll hear from us twice a week, every week. Every week. Um, So it sounds like this podcast, which is very professionally done, is all done in one place through the Anchor app. It sure is, which makes bridging our four different time zones a hell of a lot easier. Sure does. So do you want to do do the call to action or do you want me to do the call to action? Be my guest. (laughs) This is a professional podcast. So... Dear for listeners and friends, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, do not put anchor.fm slash TLS underscore N underscore TDS um, because we don't get anything from it. So just go straight to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app so you too can trade fiat currency for breakfast tacos. That's really the dream. Man. A special thank you to our guest, Justin. Uh, you can find him at SpartanTailgate.com. Um, you can find him on his podcast, uh, Spartan Spotlight. You can find him on Twitter and uh, elsewhere on the internet at Justin Thind. Uh, and you can also find him uh, uh, at the VIP section of the Red Cedar message board. So check him out. He's great. We, we really appreciate him being on. Uh, you can find my co-hosts, uh, Greg at Mr. Mojo rising 89 on Twitter. Uh, and you can find, uh, him, me, the rest of our, our merry band of boys at TLS underscore N underscore TDS, where we're talking everything, Michigan, Michigan state, big 10 college football in general, as well as, uh, U.S. Men's National Team and Americans Abroad and soccer in general, and uh, we, we have a good time. Also some basketball uh, sometimes because I forget that I'm not on my personal account. So um, a special thank you to our sponsors, the Anchor App and the Smith Workforce Management Group. Um, a special thank you to Instagram for bearing with us. We'll get that up and running shortly. Uh, please like, subscribe, share, follow, whatever, uh, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. If you can leave us a review, that'd be great. We really appreciate it. But more than anything else, thank you to you, the listener. We couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.